0: The NFL Combine is done, and the Big Ten showed up big time. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. You're tuned to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up on today's show, the Big Ten finishes up at the NFL Draft Combine and shows out once again and also later on, We'll get into everything that you need to know on the men's basketball tournament bracket. Teams still on the bubble with work to do as we get into things in Chicago this week. What do each of those bubble teams need to do to get themselves in? We'll go over that later on on the show. But first, let's highlight everything that happened in Indianapolis over the weekend. It was a big weekend for Big Ten stars. The future NFL stars out of the conference showing off their stuff. And I'll say right off the bat that... I was very impressed just overall by everything that the Big Ten did. Just about everyone proved who they were, if you ask me, and I didn't see anybody with the big, big fall-offs. We talked about before, a guy like Iowa's Lucas Van Ness needed to have the big numbers to be able to rocket up draft boards. He did it on Friday's show, we discussed a lot more of that as we got into the weekend from around the Big Ten. The biggest number, of course, was the 40-yard dash time put together by Michigan corner DJ Turner The second, He gets the fastest 40 at the combine, a 4.26. In fact, three out of the top four times in the 40 came from Big Ten players. A speedy conference we've got here in the Big Ten. C.J. Stroud got praise for his throwing work at the combine. Somebody who did not run the 40-yard draft, or, or 40-yard dash, sorry, apologies there. we we'll are have to talk more on Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. C.J. Stroud, with his ability to pass the ball, to be able to find guys in the pockets and be able to throw to his teammate and Smith and Jigba, they were outstanding together when they were throwing together, and Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL called it one of the best throwing sessions he has ever seen at the combine. C.K. Stroud made a name for himself and hyped himself up as this kind of guy. A guy who, yes, I can make the throws and I can make the long throws and have the big arm, but my thing is the accuracy. I'm the most accurate quarterback in this draft class, and he did a whole lot to prove it with his throwing session at the NFL Combine. I told you before, you're going to be looking at the numbers and the stats from the 40s and the three-cone drills and the vertical jumps and all that kind of stuff. That's big. But you also need to take a look at this kind of stuff, especially when you're talking about one of these guys who may go in the top five. C.J. Shroud, he has himself all of the physical attributes that we already know. But then he proved it on the field and impressed the experts with what he was doing with the throwing too. It's more than just looking at the numbers. You have to look at the guys reporting like Daniel Jeremiah who are making these kind of claims and see what they're saying about what they're seeing from guys too. Because as much as it is about the numbers, it's also about what people are leaving talking about. And people were leaving talking about how good C.J. Stroud was in that throwing session. Another name, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigby. I already said it before. He was someone who came in as someone who was going to be a slot receiver and somebody who wasn't going to extremely impress in the, like 40-yard dash numbers. He didn't run the 40-yard dash not something that he needs to run, not a big deal, not what he's advertising himself as. But as far as the slot wide receiver goes, he solidified himself as the best one of those in this draft. If you're looking for that position and there's someone early enough who is, he could be the first wide receiver taken off the board in this draft after the numbers he put up in this combine. The three cone drill and the short shuttle, the two change direction kind of drills, speed drills that you rely more on for slot receiver kind of stuff, he had the best out of all receivers in the combine, best three-cone drill and best short shuttle out of anybody. That's the kind of stuff that locks you in as not just a guy that you think is going to be that great slot receiver, but putting up those numbers pretty much locks you in as the top guy for that particular role who's going to get drafted this season. Jackson Smith and Jigba, C.J. Stroud, they both did pretty much that. People had thoughts about what they were. Those thoughts should be pretty much reassured, and everyone should be confident in what they're getting in those two guys particularly. And it, of course, needs a good showing at the NFL Draft Combine to get to that point. Both of those guys had done it. The biggest winners are the guys we talked about before, though. The linemen, the linebackers. They were, in the early session, putting up huge, huge, big numbers. Some of them had the most to gain and lose, depending on how well they did in Indy. And they just showed out. I said it before, but we'll go over it again. Just Lucas Van Ness was outstanding. An incredible numbers day for him. And he, as I mentioned before, was somebody who could have shot up into like the top 15 or 20 or fallen all the way out of the first round. He is that kind of a guy now who I was reading things like Locke, top 20 pick, When we get to this draft overall, a really, really good showing at the big 10 for the combine. It was an incredible weekend for just about everybody. And I feel like. All the names that I was looking at as far as, okay, we need to make sure this guy does this. We need to make sure Smith and Jigba has those kind of times in the shuttle and the cone drill. We need to make sure Lucas Van Ness is getting himself the strength reps and putting himself at the top of those leaderboards with his physical abilities. We need to make sure that a guy like CJ Stroud is leaving Indy with people talking about how good he looked and all those things happen. It it was not even necessarily a huge shift up for a guy like CJ Stroud, maybe but you got reassured in what you believed all these guys were good at. And in the most crucial of spots, I feel like everybody who had those big tests passed them outside the Big Ten. So this is a great, great showing for the Big Ten at the Combine. I'm looking forward to seeing a whole lot of first-round names out of the Big Ten conference when we get to the draft in April. It's going to be a lot. And the Big Ten proved that it's one of the best in all of college football, in what it does here i mean with dj turner the second getting the fastest 40 time in the entire combine and the big 10 getting three out of the top 440 times in the combine that's just part of what was a dominant weekend for the big 10 really really good showing i can't stress that enough but while the big 10's football players get ready to make the step to the next level Big Ten basketball is getting ready for the postseason. Regular season is done. The Big Ten men's basketball tournament bracket is set. We're going to go over all of it and take a look at what each of the bubble teams have to do to make sure that they're getting what they need to get done done to make the field of 68. That's coming up in just a moment. You're on Locked On Big Ten. But first, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try a built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know one of my goals for the new year was to get healthier. We're now about a fourth of the way through the new year, but it's never too late to start those resolutions and get yourself back in shape. And Built Bar can help because it's a candy bar that is actually a protein bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things have 130 calories, 17 grams of protein with less than four grams of net carbs and sugars. It is everything that you're looking for when you look at the nutrition facts. And then when you open it up, it looks like a candy bar. It tastes like a candy bar. It's candy bar flavors that you're getting out there when you go over to Built.com and check out everything that they have. You can go look at all of the new flavors available. Seems like they're coming out with them once a week, something new from Built Bar. Or you could head on over to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter and churro, and see it for yourself. If you don't want to wait, head over to a Sam's Club or go over to Built.com to check out everything they have to offer. It's Built Bar. Everything that you need, all packed into one, without the nasty taste that most protein products give you. Built Bar is the place to go, to get through your day or through your workout or through just about anything. You can get that energy without suffering the setbacks that some other protein bars give you with Built Bar. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. Also check out Locked On College Basketball. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, they've got everything that you need every single day of the week, just like we do it over here at Locked On Big Ten. And of course, they got all the big name experts, players, coaches that you want to talk to over at Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk a little bit of college basketball. As the Big Ten tournament bracket is set, we've got a whole lot to get into with what's going on here this week in Chicago. Because at the moment, you have, depending on how you want to look at it, up to four Big Ten teams that are not completely locked into this NCAA tournament. And let's start off with that. Because at the moment, you have seven teams who are pretty firmly in. Purdue, Indiana, Michigan State, Northwestern, Iowa, Maryland, and Illinois. A month ago, you would have said Rutgers was a for sure, too looking really, really good and playing good basketball, but they've since lost six of eight. And now, as far as bracket matrix goes, in 70 brackets updated on their site, Rutgers only appears in 60 of them. The Scarlet Knights are falling off the wagon, and they're going to be able to play their way back into things for sure. And if you ask me, they're still a tournament team. But a loss, say, to Michigan in this first round could see them on the outside looking in. We'll talk more about that in a minute. In the 70 brackets I mentioned, Penn State is on the rise. They now appear in 41 of those brackets after their last second win over Maryland over the weekend. Wisconsin is in over half of brackets too, just barely at 38 of 70. And Michigan still pretty much a consensus team out of the tournament, but they can play their way into it too. Right now they appear in two out of the 70 brackets at BracketMatrix.com, which puts together just about every bracket that stays updated and averages out the seeds between those teams. So, That's where we currently stand going into tournament week. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff going on outside the Big Ten, but I'm pretty confident that every team that we talked about not being completely for sure in can play their way in if they do well enough here in the tournament, outside of, of course, winning it and getting that automatic bid. Here are how the Big Ten tournament seeds stack up in the bracket. The four double buys go to the one seed Purdue, The two-seed ends up being Northwestern, the three-seed Indiana, and the four-seed goes to Michigan State. They snag that double bye. The five-seed is Iowa, the six-seed is Maryland, the seven-seed Illinois will play 10-seed Penn State, and then eight-seed Michigan will play nine-seed Rutgers, 11-seed Nebraska will play 14-seed Minnesota, and Wisconsin, the 12-seed, will play the 13-seed Ohio State. By the way, good showing by Nebraska, ending up the 11-seed in this tournament after being Pretty much a consensus, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten outside of Minnesota throughout the year. They really put it together at the end of the season and deserved that 11 seed that they're getting. Anywho, though, the biggest storylines from this, I already mentioned a little bit before, but that first round matchup between Rutgers and Michigan, two teams that are firmly on the bubble as it stands. Michigan, again, a pretty clear consensus out at this point, but close to getting in. And you have Rutgers, someone who has been a pretty close to consensus in for the entire season, Now seemingly falling off and maybe not looking ready to play this game against the Wolverines team that's gotten a little bit hot as of late. So, what happens here? There's been discussion that the winner of Rutgers, Michigan could be in, the loser ends up out. And while that's certainly on the table, it's not, I don't think, that kind of cut and dry. Uh, For instance, I think if Michigan wins this game, they could very easily still have work to get into the field of 68. I think that if Rutgers loses this game, They have a shot to also still get into the NCAA tournament, depending on how everything else plays out in the field. But if you're asking me, I would say I'm most confident that a loss here puts whoever loses on the outside looking in. I don't know what a win does. If Rutgers wins, I'm pretty confident that they're in. But if Michigan wins, they could still have some more work to do to get into the field by Selection Sunday. That's where I'm at right now. I think the loser at this point is on the outside of the tournament field, but a win is only locking in Rutgers and the Scarlet Knights. Michigan, their resume needs a little bit more perhaps for them to get into the tournament. Another big question here. what is going on with, say, a Penn State team, a team that has itself again right there on the edge of the NCAA tournament, but facing off against the seven seed in Illinois. That's a game that they can win. but, We talked about this before. If you're Penn State right now, would you almost rather have that 11 seed instead of the 10? Get yourself an opportunity to get an easy win over a Minnesota team that, yes, maybe it doesn't boost your resume all that much, but it does put you in a point where you've got another win, and individual wins are going to matter when things are as close as they are right now with the Nittany Lions. Also, what happens if they lose this game? Can Penn State still make it if they don't beat the Illini in their first matchup? I don't know. I would just in my head assume that if they can't get a single Big Ten tournament win, there's going to be too many other teams on the bubble who do get tournament wins and end up boosting over the Nittany Lions. So it's a weird, weird situation where, again, I mentioned it before, you may actually have rather had that 11 seed, get yourself a win, just because when you're looking at it against the other bubble teams, having that one win could very easily matter when it comes to it being a Big Ten tournament win. That's just where I'm at right now with that. But It's a situation where you have Penn State just right there on the edge and trying to figure out what's best for them. Of course, now they just got to win. But if I'm a Nittany Lions fan, I may be saying to myself, hey, maybe we should have taken the game against Minnesota. Also, big storyline, Michigan State. Speaking of playing Minnesota, they end up getting a double bye despite having that one last game on the schedule because of the cancellation of their matchup with the Golden Gophers. It was looking like for a while right after that game got postponed that that was going to hurt the Spartans. I don't know if it hurts or helps them now, but again, they end up being the team that's on top and gets that four seed. So, just a serve, ball, don't lie, whatever you want to call it. Michigan State gets the double bye despite playing one less Big Ten game than everybody else. But again, if you're everybody else, you could argue, hey, they made a loss stat, but against a Minnesota team that only won a couple of Big Ten games all season, you have to kind of assume, and everyone was assuming when it was working against Michigan State, that that was going to be a win. So I don't think you can complain too much if you're one of those teams like an Iowa or Maryland that's sitting on the outside looking in. Also, you have a situation here right now where outside of the Rutgers and Michigan matchup, you've got a spot where all of the bubble teams can make it to the semifinals. I'm talking about just in the way that this bracket is set up and the way that everyone is there. Wisconsin and Penn State and Michigan's Rutgers winner have an opportunity, all of them, to get all the way to the semifinals. They wouldn't have to play each other until that point, which is huge because then if you are one of those teams or if you're just a Big Ten fan in general, You've got the opportunity to get all of those teams in, have all of those teams make big runs, and then potentially get yourself 11 teams into this tournament. I think that's not going to happen. I think you're looking at either 9 or 10, depending on what happens in the Big Ten tournament here. But I still think that possibility is there. Like if Michigan beats Rutgers, because I think Rutgers is the most solid team that can afford a loss right now, although you wouldn't want to play with it if you're a Scarlet Knights fan. If Michigan beats Rutgers, gets to the semi... Wisconsin has, of course, the longest road. They've got to play Ohio State in a 12-13 matchup before they even get to where everyone else is, but they can get to a semifinal. And then Penn State, if they beat Illinois and then beat Northwestern, can get itself into a semifinal. Penn State, by the way, not the easiest road for the Nittany Lions. In a matchup that's in Chicago, they've got Northwestern first, then Illinois in the day after that. So not exactly the ideal situation for a Penn State team that's trying to fight its way into the tournament field. It's going to be road games for sure, but it is still technically, I guess, a neutral court, you know, but it's out of the draw itself, having Northwestern and then, or having Illinois and then Northwestern is about as bad as it could get if you're trying to at least get that kind of an advantage while playing on the court in Chicago. So things are stacked up against that Nittany Lions team at the moment, but they got the big win over the weekend that they needed, needed. I think one win here in the Big Ten tournament, Penn State makes the field. They've got themselves some good wins. They've got themselves the opportunity here. They're playing at the end of the season, at least at the very last game, like they want it. And, of course, we've talked about all season. They've got the seniors. So when you get to the selection Sunday, having that kind of senior leadership, having just about everybody knowing it's their last run, I I think that'll matter to the selection committee at least a little, little bit. It's not something that you typically think about when you're thinking about what they weigh. But when you're talking about a starting lineup of five seniors, yeah, that's something that could weigh in a little more and could legitimately, if you're talking about on the hardwood, be a reason why people think that Penn State could be a team that wins NCAA tournament games. And that's the biggest arguments bubble teams make, right? At least I think it's the strongest one you can make is that, hey, if you put us in, we've shown that we can win these games. Having the senior experience is one of those things where it's like, hey, we know at the very least that this isn't going to be a team that is going to just fall on its face, even though Penn State has done that at times this season, too. But the point is, I think this is a near ideal setup for an actual bracket for getting the most teams into the field of 68, which is what the conference's goal is. But of course, you also have the individual matchups that are going to really decide things. And the biggest one that we'll see first is that Michigan Rutgers game. Cause those are two bubble teams that you think have the opportunity to get into the field with a win, but also could be kicked out with a loss. That is the first game we'll see with real, real stakes on the line for both teams. And that's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. We'll finish up with big 10 news here on the program. Of course, Over the weekend, the Iowa women's basketball team absolutely dismantled Ohio State in the final of the women's Big Ten tournament. Caitlin Clark, of course, is always outstanding. A 105 to 72 final. And if you watched it, it was over early and nobody really had anything to try and answer the Hawkeyes for the Buckeyes. Uh, Of course, it's the second straight title for Iowa in the Big Ten. They now await Selection Sunday, too, among a bunch of Big Ten teams to see where they stack up. Going to be a really fun women's tournament. We're going to have people on to talk about that later on this week. Penn State has won the Big Ten wrestling title. Four individual titles for the Nittany Lions within that win, but they get themselves their Big Ten tournament win on the mats. They'll hopefully try to help that carry over onto the basketball court and get a couple of wins this week, too. In the Big Ten hockey tournament, first weekend is done. Uh, Wisconsin sweet or I'm sorry, Wisconsin swept by Michigan. So they're on to the semifinals. And in three games, Michigan State and Ohio State win as well. So your four semifinal teams are Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Minnesota, who did not have to play over the weekend, got that top seed in the first weekend by. And players of the week. Men's basketball is Trace Jackson Davis and Cameron Winter. They share the award after a couple of good weeks from them. And in softball, player of the week is Purdue's Tyrena Jones. Pitcher of the week is Penn State's Bailey Partial. In the Big Ten schedule for the day, we've got stuff going on all over the conference. We'll tell you more about it in just a minute. We've got, though, also commitments to to tell you about in basketball, a three-star point guard, Isaac Asuma has committed to Minnesota, out of Minnesota. He had other Big Ten offers from Iowa and Nebraska. That's about all we have for rank or for commitments here today. That's about all we have for Locked On Big Ten today. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on college basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow along us with us at Locked On Big Ten One Zero when you're typing it out, not T E N. Wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter too. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports with Locked On.